0: Hey, this is Samantha. And this is Annie. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. And today we've got an amazing episode. I'm so excited. Just a bit of a trigger warning, not really big detail, but we do talk about the Me Too movement, specifically talking about comedians in the Me Too Time Frame, Harvey Weinstein. So just to throw that out there, again, we don't get into anything deep, but we just still like to give you a warning. Mm -hmm. And today we had the most amazing Chanel Ali come in and speak with us about comedy, women in comedy, black women in comedy and fighting against injustice with humor.
1: Yes, and she was an absolute delight. I'm really bummed that I missed the show that you went yeah, to, Samantha. So, if you want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah,
0: so she was a part of the feminist buzzkills of comedy, which used to be Lady Parts Justice, and is now called Abortion Access Front. And they tour around the country working with different abortion clinics throughout the country, getting their name out, talk about fundraising, talk about reproductive justice, and it's beautiful and hilarious. This is the second one that I've attended. The first one was at a different location. Caroline of Unladylike is the one that invited me, and I love them so much. They are so hilarious. Liz Winstead, who is an icon in herself, she was a co-creator of The Daily Show. She's the one that began this organization and makes sure to go around and brings into conversation these big issues. And I, I love it. And I met Chanel at the show from this weekend. I guess that probably was a couple of weeks ago when we aired this Great. actual episode. It was the night of the Oscars. Yes, yes. yes. And I, I kind of was like, hey, can we be friends? And it works. What? Look at that, Samantha. Make it friends. I, I make friends. But she had an amazing show. She had an amazing set. So if you are around... Anywhere, because she tours a lot, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know she is based out of New York. But if you get a chance, go check her site out, Chanel Ali, and we'll give you some more information. And check out her touring, because she does some amazing things.
1: She absolutely does. I'm so bummed I missed the show. Samantha has two excellent shirts she got from it. I do. But I'm very glad that she came to the studio, that you succeeded in getting her to come in because she was a delight. She is. And so we am going to go ahead and start with the interview. So today we
0: are meeting with someone who I may have stealthily, I'm going to say it stealthily, but it really wasn't, hunted Stealthy. down during an abortion access front comedy event Probably frightened her quite a bit. Uh true. Chanel Allie. Hi. Thank you guys Yay. so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I did. So I was telling Annie, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she thinks I'm...
2: Yeah, I'm and not going
0: okay. to say it now. I was like, it's okay. Because I was like, <laughs> hey... Can
2: we be friends? <laughs> and Harris was like,
0: I'm trying to watch and support my people. Mm-hmm.
2: But that head. happens at comedy shows a lot of times. Like, I'll get off stage and someone's very excited to talk to me. And I'm excited too, but also, like, sometimes the show's still happening. Yeah. So I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's shh. <laughs> Let's put a pin in this. And we're going <laughs> to see overturned. how excited we are tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I may have had an adult beverage yeah. or two. Oh, and I'm like, never. we were on the
2: same level of a few drinks yeah. in. I can <laughs> tell. <Okay. laughs>
0: So she's here. Thank you. We did it. Yes, we did it. And yes, you were a part of the Atlanta set for Feminist Buzzkill of Comedy. Yeah. Right? Which was created by Abortion Access
2: Front, which was used to be Lady Part Justice. Mm-hmm. They used and, to be called Lady Part Justice. And then they decided that they wanted to like, really be straightforward right. about what their goals are and who they are. So they were like, we are the Abortion Access Front, and we're here to help women, and we're going to fight the fight. I love it. And luckily, the you know, the founder is uh, Liz Winstead, who I'm sure you're very familiar with. She also was the co-creator of The Daily Show. Also is just like a very woke-ass, like, adorable lady. I just like—her bun makes me happy when I see it. It makes me happy. So she reached out to me um, a few months ago and said that they were looking to take on a comedy writer. And I came on, and I work for them part-time in New York a few days a week. And then they said, we're going on tour. You want to come on tour? You can tell jokes and then you know help us during the day and I was like of course you know so here we are this I think this is the last stop on the tour is it the last stop yeah
0: oh man I was like oh, but this is the second show I've been to because I can't I went to the show with Joelle and Helen Hong and I'm like oh, I want to be all of y'all's
2: friends <laughs> where are you yeah they do a um, good job of making sure that the comedians they pick can like handle the spotlight of. The social issue, but also can be like super insightful and funny and personal.
0: And it's so funny and it's so fantastic. And again, yes, this is the second time I've been, but I did want you to talk a little more and you have. Can you introduce yourself for our oh, listeners?
2: Yes. Hi, guys. I'm Shanali. I'm a stand-up comedian and a writer. I live in New York City. I'm originally from Philadelphia. Shout out to anybody that went to Temple University and is still oh. trying to pay it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing comedy for about seven years. You might know me from MTV's Girl Code. I was in the last season of that show, which was also the last season of that show. <laughs> um, I have a Comedy Central set coming out in a few weeks, and that'll be my debut on Comedy Central, and an album will be out in May. Ooh, what is
0: the title of the Comedy Central special?
2: I don't know if they've titled it yet, uh, but it's really. a partnership with Refinery29, Okay. so they just highlighted female comedians, I love it. and they let us do kind of shorter sets, like 10, 12 minutes, but it was great. Really great production. We shot some incredible stuff backstage, like lady comics just talking to each other about like what type of weed we smoke and stuff like like really hard hitting journalism Mm. and um (laughs) it's gonna be a dope series i love it and then you said you have an album coming out yes i have an album coming out i think it's gonna be called chanel number one
1: Ooh, you like I that? like that. You oh, like that? Oh, I, like it. I like it. You like it? I'm claiming it. I like you it. You feel it, right? I do. Yeah, I was I like
2: 50-50 for a while, and then I was like, I think that's it, though. I think that I is think good. Is. <laughs> you know? I, I like it. Yeah. Maybe I'll just be like naked on a perfume bottle. Like, I don't know. We're going to
0: plan it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have an envision of like a giant perfume bottle Huge. that you wrap yourself
1: around somehow. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, the ad parodies you could do. So many. There are so many. So
2: I really nice. hope that later on in my career, I, I do like... Get some type of sponsorship from Chanel, and then I'll just be in a Chanel ad, and it'll be like, Chanel for Chanel, (laughs) because, duh. (laughs) And that's what I want for my future. I I want to be in advertising like that.
1: As far as goals go, that is a solid one. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's in sync. Chanel, if you're listening, get Get on Hello,
2: You guys got a lot of stuff you need to cover up. You need to get me on the front. Lines out here to help you, and we'll fix it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Let her help you. You know? Please. I love the perfume.
1: This is the ad the world needs right now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So you did uh, just
0: talk about MTV Girl Code.
2: Can you kind of tell us what that is and what that encompasses and how did you get involved? Oh, man. So that used to be this show that was on MTV, and it was like sometimes guys, but mostly uh, lady comics, straight to camera, like in front of a green screen, just giving really practical advice. Like if you have a friend of me and you're still friends with them on Instagram, like you don't want to like every picture, but if they, they post something like, oh, I'm having a really hard day, then you want to like it because you want to let them know, like, your life is in shambles. And (laughs) I want to be truthful in my social interactions, you know? So it was just a a really dope series where comedians were just being really honest and straightforward and giving advice that we wish we would have had ourselves when we were younger. And when I first started comedy, and even prior to comedy, I used to love this show. Like, I used to watch it, and I would walk up to the TV and get really close to it, and I would say... I got to get on the show. Like, I don't know how people get in here. <laughs> what is the email? You know, like, yes. how do you do it? Yes. And so I started comedy in Philly and I did comedy there for like two and a half years, started to make some money and get booked. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to New York and really try this because I don't want to be like sixty years old trying to be a comedian. So let's do it now. And so then I went to New York and I really like, made an impact on the scene, just hit every single club, every single show, every single open mic till everyone in the town was saying, have you seen Chanel Have you seen Chanel And then one day I did a stupid show at a Brooklyn coffee shop, like a smoky coffee shop. And this guy was in the back reading a newspaper who just so happened to be a producer for Girl Code. Okay. And the next day, after I performed, and I killed it, the next day he uh, DM'd me on Instagram. And he was like, hey, I know this is random, but I produce for Girl Code. I think you'd be so good on this show. I can't get you an audition because we already cast it, but if you go home and do a self-tape, Maybe I can show it to the director and we'll do, maybe, you know, he was like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. So I like went home. I did my makeup, set up lighting, put some TLC, music in the background, took it to the 90s. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And uh, I got on that show. That is amazing. I remember the day they sent me the email, like, welcome to the cast of Girl Code. I was on the train and I had like $6 to my name. (laughs) Just so poor, so poor. And I got the email and I just like. Burst into tears like uncontrollable for like 10 stops on this train. And everybody in New York is like half looking at me, like, is this happy tears? Or like, <laughs> what is, <laughs> we don't even know. Cause exactly. people cry on the train all the time, you know? Yeah. But it felt good to be like crying on the train for a good reason, you know? I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is a great day. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So that was like my first big thing. I felt like, yeah. And since then I've done a ton of things. But yeah, that that really helped me establish a lot of my fan base. It got me verified on Snapchat. I have so Ooh. many followers on Snapchat. I don't know if they're real people, but they watch my stuff. So right. <laughs> yeah, it was a great it was a great experience all around. It really taught me a lot about, you know, communicating with women and being really vulnerable yes. and how there's great comedy in that. There's right. such great comedy in being able to pull from our really personal experiences and say, hey, girl, I wish somebody would have told me this. And then I think it also kind of uh, it helps men understand us a little better right. to be able to see our perspectives in not such a heavy-handed way right. so we can break down the barrier and have them giggle a little and understand like, oh, you guys are human. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, Oh, y'all, people too. Look no. at y'all with your feelings. You're you, you funny. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Nice. You got the giggles in me.
0: So there were a couple of things because you were talking about the DM. First, Annie, that's how a professional DM looks like. <laughs> um, I had to teach her a couple of years ago what sliding into DMs meant. Yeah. Because she is genuinely sweet and kind and I she randomly oblivious. gets hit, Gets random hits on. I'm like, oh, girl. She I, I was tea. like, yeah.
1: oh, he's sending me pictures of him reading this thing. I'm like, no, no, How's no, no, he? no, no. He's no, a no. diehard fan. <laughs> <laughs> he just loves supporting us. Her. She's like, what do I respond? I was like, no, yeah. no.
0: Once he started. Uh, that's one. Once he started. <laughs> but that uh, you did bring it to the point about how, putting humor to heavy-handed things. And, and again, I met you through such an amazing organization, Abortion Access Front, and how big of an issue it is today. And, and Annie and I have talked a lot since I've been on because of the political climate. Of course. We'll of leave course. it as that. Um, and why it is so important when we talk about reproductive justice and what it is what we're talking about about female autonomy and having rights for women and right. what that actually looks like as opposed to this morality yeah. idea. But, Why do you think it is so important that we combat
2: injustice like this with humor? You know, I think when I think back about like the journey that I've had and finding my voice and really standing up for specifically reproductive rights, I think all the time about when I was naive Mm -hmm. and I was for, I would say, most of my life. I didn't understand. Obviously, we've been hearing forever that women get paid less, but... Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the full scope of that until I really started to get a real job and, like, climbed that ladder and watched male counterparts climb the ladder with me and got to recognize the difference. Like, oh, your title's different than mine. Why are you getting paid right. more than me? Like, what's happening here? We're doing the exact same... I sit next to you. We're doing the exact same job, you know? And so I think that there's this... I, I don't want to keep referring to trying to make men see us as humans, but I do think that sometimes when you dumb it down to that, you have to recognize that that is an issue. Right. And especially with legislators, you know, we have these men in suits sitting in positions of lots of power, and it's like they're playing Legos. To them, it's a game. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that they're orchestrating what humans can do, what rights we have, what freedoms we have. So I think in humor, especially if you talk about, like, the transition of not knowing and knowing, when you can guide someone through that with some humor, you can help them not be so heavy-handed about whether or not they understand. Because it's fine for a person to sit across from me and say, I don't agree with you about this. But it's better if they can say, I understand your perspective versus I don't agree or I do agree. But if I can get you to understand my perspective, especially through humor, I can get you to kind of take down your stance of judgment mm-hmm. and we can really talk about being human right. and what it feels like to not be able to take care of yourself, right. you know? So... um that, that's, it's something that's really beautiful and I watch it at comedy shows all the time when, we talk, when I talk about something very heavy handed and I can feel the energy shift. I can feel crowds tighten up like, oh, she's, she's talking about gay people now. Oh, no. Okay, now she's, oh, she said something that she didn't say Trump, but we know she's referencing him. You can <laughs> feel that energy shift when people are like, we're scared about what you're going to do and when you release that tension and you take it to a silly place you allow them to also relax about it and recognize so we should be able to talk about it. Right. And it doesn't have to be so heavy handed one or the other. Right. So comedy is just such a useful tool to getting people to see a perspective and recognize other people in a way. And just when you're sitting in a crowd full of people that don't look like you and you share a common laugh and you look over at a stranger and kind of glance like, ha that's funny. You connect. You right. connect on a level that is very deep, you know, and you carry it with you for a while. So I think comedy is just so powerful.
0: Can you teach me to be funny like that instead of just being heavy-handed?
2: I can, but I charge a lot <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> per hour. Good for you.
0: <laughs> to be fair, I probably can't afford it.
2: You'd be surprised how many uh, businesswomen in New York City are like, "I'll pay you. <laughs> I'll really? pay you if you teach me some funny things." Is that a thing that could be an industry? You know, I really st- recently started doing it, and I'm I'm about to okay. I'm about to expand.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because
2: right. I, if you can imagine, like in every like rom com. There's this, like, 40-year-old woman that's been, like, just, she's been climbing the corporate ladder forever. And then all of a sudden, she has that Marvelous Miss Maisel moment in her life where she's like, I wanted to be an artist the whole time. And so they have all types of disposable income that they can throw at someone so they can bypass the hard, hard steps of just going to open mics and just, like, not knowing what you're doing. So it's it's twofold, you know. It helps me. It helps them.
0: Right. So can it be taught or is it just natural?
2: Um Nature versus Nar I think you can teach it. I think I think you can teach it, but I do think that persona is very important. Right. And like my joke I, I know I'm a very good joke writer. I could write a joke for you and you know, try to write it in your voice and then send you on stage and you could say it. And I know that I could say the same joke and I could really kill people, you know, because <laughs> I know that my persona is very strong and I'm very confident and comfortable in how I speak to people. So I I watch the difference sometimes in, in how my comedy can come across. So I do think you can teach it. I think anybody could do an act. right? But I also think there's... The real comedy happens in the moments that you didn't write. Right. The moments where you're just comfortable on stage and you're just saying a thing that you thought or that you felt. Yeah. And uh, that's the difference between people who just do comedy and people who are artists.
0: Right. So you were talking about being on stage. Have you always been comfortable on stage?
2: I can't say that. I think I used to have pretty severe stage fright. Okay. And then, um, but I was always doing public speaking. Like, I would always force myself to face it. So I was in student council in high school and I, you know, I just did... Anytime they needed somebody to get up and speak, I would always, like, volunteer because I knew that it was healthy. But when I started comedy, it really ramped it up. I was super, super afraid. Like, my voice would shake, and I remember my hands would shake. You know, like, I would get so nervous. So to desensitize myself when I first started comedy, I started telling jokes on the Philadelphia subway. So I would just get up on the streetcar and say, hey, you guys like comedy? Too bad, you're about to get some. (laughs) And I would just go off into a thing and, like, you know, it would be insane. Sometimes people would get up and leave. Sometimes they'd be like, you know. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, I'd get some laughs. It helped me learn about timing and how quickly you have to cut the fat and get to the joke because— They're not going to just sit here and listen attentively for however long they're on the train. (laughs) Um, And that just, like, was so scary that when I started getting on stage, I was much less afraid. So now I I don't really get nervous very often, but sometimes I do if it's a big opportunity. And, like, right before my Comedy Central taping, I was very concerned I'd forget my name, you know. (laughs) Just go out there and be like, hey, I... I don't know who I am, but um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. thank you guys so much. <laughs> yeah. Here's a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, I, I do think I, I used to have a pretty severe fear of it, but I also think that even in those moments where I was able to push through and get those laughs, it was so strong. It was such a strong feeling that right. I was like, this is worth it. I'll fix this fear. This is worth it. Right. You know?
1: We have some more of our interview with Chanel, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back into the interview.
0: So with all of that, because I, I think I, I, you and I talked a little bit about what I want to focus on and in, in just in general, when it comes to a being a woman who talks about abortion and talks about reproductive justice and then being a woman yeah. on the comedy stage, which is already usually a strike. Yeah. And then being a woman of color, a black woman on stage. So many on levels. Stage, what, how do you combat all of those social I guess, what is it?
1: Pressures, social issues, issues,
0: injustices, racism, all of that. How do you deal with that? in today, especially when even though it's not accepted, it kind of is and it seems to be back and forth.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of levels to that, but I think just being a, a woman in comedy, I had to learn that, um, I had to find peace with people not always agreeing with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be hard when you're speaking into a microphone because you want them to just nod Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say, yep, you're right, girl. We're here (laughs) with you. And so I had to learn peace with that. And that really came from educating male comedians in, like, personal spaces. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when Bill Cosby went on trial, a lot of male comedians that I love and respect were just not in the right mindset, in my opinion. And they were very steeped in their beliefs and weren't going to be moved. But then they got to hear a perspective from someone like me that they know and they love and they trust and they know has been doing comedy forever and has been even in rooms with people like Bill Cosby. Mm -hmm. And so I could speak from an experience that they had never had firsthand knowledge of. And so I was able to convince them through my experiences and also referencing things that they had seen among their their counterparts about the reality. You know, like you have been on tour with a famous comedian. And he grew up in an era where things couldn't get recorded on your cell phone. You, did you see firsthand that he was inappropriate? Did you see firsthand that he seemed power crazy and not really aware of how he's affecting other people? And a lot of times they couldn't deny that. Right. And so I was able to kind of bridge that gap between them not feeling so indignant as, the, as we often do, right. but at least feeling sympathetic and recognizing the reality of the climate of what fame and money can do yeah. and the types of, power dynamics that exist in entertainment because a lot of our meetings are in hotel rooms and they are they're at bars and we have been drinking and you have to go or the opportunity isn't there. Mm-hmm. And if I was a young woman years ago and Bill Cosby had invited me to a thing, I would have went. Mm-hmm. I would have absolutely went and I would have trusted that anything he wanted me to do was was within the scope of what's appropriate, right. you know. So I think by really just kind of breaking down those barriers of communication, And taking out the anger, because it's so easy to, like, scream at a man. Right. You're stupid. You're not listening. You don't trust women. Blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you can't just scream feminism at men. And I think I, I have learned that from firsthand just watching people try. <laughs> right right Getting on stage and being like, so I'm a feminist, right. and the whole crowd is like, great, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be light.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you're fun. not gonna have any
2: heavy opinions that make me feel bad about what I'm doing every day with my life. <laughs> so I, I watched a lot of mistakes and I was able to kind of learn like, okay, so you can't, you can't really break down a barrier that way. So um, I think just like really being confident and, and taking out the anger or as much as I can mm-hmm. has helped me convert a lot of men into at least thinking for themselves. Right. And women have been calling out a lot of the inequalities in comedy. Like a comedy show flyer will come out and it'll be eight white guys in the same flannel. (laughs) (laughs) Two to three of them have beards and glasses. And that's fine. But the perspectives that they're going to bring are going to be very similar. Right. And then the comedy becomes this one industry where you only give an opportunity to somebody that makes you feel comfortable. And you always give an opportunity to someone that's like you. I feel the same way. When I go on the road and I pick someone to open for me, I more often am going to give it to a black woman than anyone else Mm -hmm. because I want her to succeed, and I feel like I'm giving back to my community. So I feel like other people do that, but they don't recognize that they do it. They don't recognize that comedy is run by white men, and they own most of the clubs. And so when they consistently make that decision, it does become a system. And so when you can break it down into terms like that and, and really talk about the human qualities, um, it helps you really just get over the barrier of I'm not just spouting because I'm a black woman and I'm angry. Because right. even though I am, I'm really trying to educate you and enlighten you so you can see that this is a world that I exist in and you exist in differently.
0: Right. You know. So, Because one of the things that we've been talking about a lot in the last year is about anger and how it can be used to fight because a lot of times we know that anger is a sign that something is wrong Mm. and so there needs to be whether you take action or you just sit and stew in it. Um, And we've been talking about what does that look like when we actually take action. So as you're talking about in this industry which has been exposed Somewhat, Mm. but obviously kind of fallen back as we look at the Louis C.K. thing, and he's fairly forgiven and now yeah. kind of still dictates what it is to have stand-up and being paid to do comedy, as well as dictating, oh, you can't have your phone in here because I want to say the inappropriate things that's going to get me in trouble. Yeah.
2: I don't want to read an article about it. Right, so. right. Right,
0: and all of these things, when we have that, and then just even the Harvey Weinstein, when he came to the uh, club with all the young actresses and the comedian came out and called him
2: out, yeah, that, everybody was pissed. I'd like to shout them out. That was Kelly Bachman and Amber Amberallo Amber and I have a podcast together.
1: Okay. Oh, Awesome.
2: Um, uh, she's dope. They're they're both really dope and they were so courageous in that moment. But yeah, that's really so empowering to watch women right. stand up for our spaces. And that's something about like the spaces thing that I, I sometimes feel like I have to always bridge the gap with men and explain. And I'm like, if we have evidence that a person is inappropriate in a certain space... Right every woman in that space is now uncomfortable. Exactly. So when Louis C.K. walks into a comedy club and they throw him on a lineup, if a woman is on that lineup and she's uncomfortable in that space, now she has to leave. Right. Because the club is not going to say, oh, okay, sorry. Right. right. So, so now his, his privilege is that he continues to dictate what a space is and what he can do in it. Right. And women just have to deal, especially comedians. Right. And when we work in an industry that is, is literal minutes... Somebody gives me a mic for 10 minutes right. and you can work on your craft and then you have to go home. You right. can't come back and it'll give you more minutes. You have to go home and wait for another day. It, it, it sets women back right. in a huge way. I always compare comedy to basketball and that if someone was like, I want to be LeBron tomorrow, they'd have to practice every single day as much as they could. Right. But if they're only going to give you a basketball for 10 minutes, right. it's going to take you a lot longer. Right. And men get the basketball a lot. So, <laughs> they get yeah. that basketball so much. exactly. And
0: that's the question is how do you take that anger or take that understanding
2: that you have just been denied? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I handle it the same way as everyone else, but I always try to really look at the pros and the cons and try to decide what I want to be a part of, what I want to put my name on. Right. And I always think about the younger me. Right. And if she were to watch a comedy show and see a display that's not very favoring of women and then watch me also in the lineup not address it what what type of implications would i push out on her i I would be indirectly teaching her that this is okay Mm -hmm. and that you should just take it and just smile Mm -hmm. and i think that's terrible i i I hate that so much so to me I, i really try to evaluate projects very thoroughly i really stand up for myself in corporate rooms Mm -hmm. and talk about what I'm not comfortable with. I even remember one time I auditioned for a film and I really wanted to be in it, but there was a line in the character they wanted me to play where I basically had to say, like, who would want to be black because it's terrible. So I tried to make it funny. Right. Like, let's make it lighthearted. And the director was like, no, you're sad and you're mad (laughs) that you're black. And I was like, I don't think I can do this, you know? And so I had to acknowledge, like, I'm not going to get this part because... I'm not capable of even saying that sentence and sounding like I'm not forcing it out of my mouth. I'm I'm not capable of even portraying that sentiment. And if my younger self watched myself say that, it would impact me, you know? So I always think about the younger generation. I think about how many incredibly talented and funny women I think there are around the world Mm -hmm. who never feel compelled to try it because... There's all these voices telling them, no, you're not right. funny. This is for this and this is that. So, you know, to I, I always think that there's like an orthodontist in Missouri who could have been a comedy great, right? but everybody in her life told her no. Right. Told her, yeah, you're silly, Yeah, you know. So I always think about like really elevating our voices and calling things out. And I pick my battles. I definitely pick my battles. Oh. But I also have a lot of integrity. Right. And so there have been entire clubs, entire venues that I've decided I'm not going to work with you guys anymore yeah. because you continually perpetuate something that's unhealthy and I don't want I don't want I don't want to add to it mm-hmm. because I know what I bring to the table, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a lot of pride. You have to really hold yourself to a, a high standard but also protect your rise right. because I need to be on a high platform to ch- to make any change, right. you know.
0: So Myself as your new best friend. Yes. As a supporter who is not a comedian. What can I do to help elevate that cause as well? Obviously, I don't have that giant voice. I don't have the comedic timing. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I want to support this and I want to make sure that the women and those who I identify who are non-binary who are being silenced mm-hmm. because these platforms don't want to be uncomfortable or, yeah. and or don't want to root for the underdogs, and essentially,
2: yeah, we are underdogs. Totally. Um, what can I do? I mean, I, obviously, I exist in an artist realm, right. so it really comes down to supporting the artists, and, and that can really come down to even just, like, doing your due diligence and looking up a lineup mm-hmm. and asking questions. Why is there no woman on this show? You have eight comedians here. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find one lady? Right. You know? Um, also, I think that, like, we, When we think about our favorite television shows, a lot of those shows are staffed by rooms of comedians that get together in a room like this, and they sit down and they write an episode. So look up your favorite shows. Look up those writers. If they are trans women, if they are non-binary, follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram. Support their other projects and recognize the parts that they play. Like some of them will direct an entire episode. You know, Mindy Kaling mm-hmm. started out that way a lot, so... That individual support means so much more. I think it also really comes down to, like, standing firm on things you're not going to support. Like, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on a ticket to see Louis C.K. I'm not going to do it. And you should, if you are really considering that, you should actually put that money elsewhere. Donate it to the amazing organizations that help comedians every day. And there are even a lot of, like, mentorship programs that help young women find their voice. So it really comes down to deciding what type of artists you want to support Mm -hmm. and recognizing that their message requires your help.
1: Right. Because it's important. Right. We have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yeah. So a lot of these questions, I've already, I've been thinking about a lot of them. One of the biggest questions for me as a woman of color, but as a woman of color with privilege and I acknowledge that I'm a cis woman. I get all of that. I have a good job. I've had good support and I acknowledge all that. How do I support those who may not have that same advantage as well as, if my heart is in advocacy, which it always has been, which is why I am a social worker, and you and I are talking about you know kind of pouring back out because it's something significant for us, yeah, what does it look like to be a true ally?
2: Mm. <sighs> there's There's a lot of levels to that, yeah, you know, but I think really, especially myself, I've learned in the last year that we should be volunteering more, right and it sounds especially I'm a comedian, I drink a lot, <laughs> I work at night. <laughs> I don't sleep. (laughs) If someone was like, yeah, you know, a couple times a month, you need to go volunteer somewhere. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. But, um, I will say that in everything that we do, like my medium is comedy and everything that we do, we have these skills that we could lend to organizations that are great and that we should donate our time to them. Right. So if that's making us some dope stickers for a great cause, um, in terms of, like, causes that are very important to me, I'm I'm very consistently worried about gun violence. Mm-hmm. And so I'll volunteer, I'll donate to every town. I think they're an incredible organization. Right. I'll advocate for them. I'll write tweets about them and praise anything they do in the media, you know? But I think also it's it's about recognizing how a lot of the things that we frequent are are microcosms for some of these bigger problems. Mm-hmm. So even in the realm of an office, just recognizing that, you know, a person of color is alone in certain instances or that, you know, they're left out in certain instances. Just just being uh, comfortable enough to walk up to someone and say, I'm here to help mm-hmm. is really being an ally. Or just, hey, I recognize what just happened. Because sometimes that silence is so deafening mm-hmm. when you feel like you're being targeted or treated unfairly and then everyone is averting their eyes. So I think that's a great way to do it. I also think that... um we have to vote. <laughs> we have to vote and we have to do it in a way that we're not just thinking about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard because that's not really the way that a lot of candidates speak nowadays. Anyway, they they can be very brash and very bold and like, People are coming for your guns, and people are coming for you, and so you have to vote for you, but that's not really the foundation of the country. Right. We're really trying to form this more perfect union. If you're really being that patriotic, then you should recognize that there are things that are not directly affecting you but are affecting other people all the time. And it is your duty because you have the privilege to not be affected by it, to research it more and to recognize when it happens and to listen to other people when they tell you about it happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think that's the first step. And I think you have to really break all of these bigger tasks down into a smaller schedule Mm -hmm. so you can say that, hey, however many days a month I was able to give to a local clinic, and if it's as simple as just bringing them some donuts... That's support. That's help, and uh, that's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna fuel people to to keep doing the work that you may not yourself be able to do. Right,
0: I love it. That's been one of the big messages I think we've been recording in the last
2: month: is vote and re- vote. recognize that your voice matters, and and this right matters. Mm-hmm. And I always think about like the really stupid guy that you knew in high school, like the idiot of idiots, <laughs> and how. He's gonna vote every time. <laughs> yeah. He's got nothing else. Right. He's so invested in exercising his right that you have to exercise yours to at least combat it. Right. So if you're ever feeling like, I don't know if I wanna vote, I don't feel like going out today, think about that idiot and right. know that his mom is gonna take him to vote. <laughs> She's gonna <laughs> drive him there and he'll pick done. he'll pick the radio station and That's his life. right? So don't let him because he doesn't have to look for the services that you might need one day. He doesn't have to worry about the things that impact your life. So, you know, you got to vote.
1: I love it. (laughs) I love, I'm someone who's very spite motivated. So I (laughs) like the idea of like, oh, that high school kid think mm. about him. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Yes. <laughs> As you vote, you're like, mm. Mm, <laughs> Yeah, Johnny. Johnny. Yes.
2: <laughs> Name him. Steven. Yeah. There it is. Mason. Oh, yes. I had
1: a Mason <laughs> yeah,
2: too. I totally did. Oh, oh that was outside works, my time frame. He works at a Costco. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know, we don't forget these things. They stay with <laughs> us. They stay with us.
0: Um, so thank you. Uh, Yeah, I guess we can just try to wrap it up and just want to know what projects? You already talked about the Comedy Central show. Yes. You talked about the album. What other projects? Or well, we'll talked more about these projects.
2: Oh, man. So uh, at the end of the month, I'm recording um a series for Audible. It's going to be called Apocalypse Untreated, and it's about these teenagers in this apocalyptic world who were medicated, like, for their depression, but now because an apocalypse has happened, they don't have medication. And so it's like this comedy drama. Um, So that'll be out in Audible, I don't know, within a few months. Okay. Um, you can always check my website for dates about where I'm going to be touring because I'm always telling jokes outside of New York City, even though that's where I live. I go on tour about 14 days a month usually. You can go to ChanelAli.com for that. That's Chanel like the perfume. Ali like Muhammad. You get it. Yeah, there it is. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and can you give advice? Uh, again, I'm not this person mm-hmm. who is trying to come into the comedy world.
2: Yeah. Will you give some sound advice to them? Totally. I'm going to try to not speak forever on this. But (laughs) (laughs) The first advice I want to say is that if you want to pursue comedy and you feel like anybody in your life is trying to persuade you not to, find peace in the idea that you're not trying to hurt anyone and that if your goal is to bring people together through laughter, that is very noble. And so find peace with how it might not seem like you're a surgeon (laughs) and your life is very important as a comedian. But if it's something that you really feel interested in, then you have to not listen to anyone and you have to just do it for yourself every single day. Um, In terms of, like, very practical comedy advice, I think minutes on stage trump everything. Like, I don't care how much you can sit at home and write funny things in your notebook. You have to be on stage every single day as much as you can, no matter what, because... Those logging, those minutes, that's all that's going to bring you growth. That's going to that's help you develop as an artist. I also think it's important to study from artists before us. Uh, Steve Martin has a great book on comedy called Born Standing Up. Changed my life. I read it after the first time I bombed, and I wanted to quit comedy. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's funny? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> read that book. Really changed my life. Also, uh, that guy, Daryl Hammond, has a book. He used to be the announcer. Or I think he is actually the announcer for SNL, but he used to be a player on SNL. I think it's called, God, if you're up there, if you're not up there, I'm <laughs> f- That's <laughs> I think That's a it's, good name. I think, if, I think it's God, if you're not up there, I'm f- But it's an incredible story. He, he lives an incredible life and overcame just just really some, oh, some yeah, hard, yeah. hard, hard things. What's yeah. it called? I have to tell what Yeah, I got it right. You got it right. Yeah. Dang, I read that book forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that book helped me a lot. It helped me reconcile with the idea that we don't have to be perfect people to pursue art. We can have suffered trauma and be currently living in it and still be okay enough to do our art. And that's a very peaceful sentiment once you can have it. Mm-hmm. I also think it's very important to take deep breaths. <laughs> Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth very often and try to just keep moving forward no matter what. I love it. And I did want to kind of ask, because this is, again,
0: my own self-interest. You were talking about the fact that you work with a group. of um, yeah.
2: I work with an organization in New York. It's called Stand Up for Girls. And um, so they basically go around to some of the local high schools in New York City and they get basically the more vocal or very not vocal girls to practice stand-up comedy, to practice a five-minute set for a few months. They work on it. And they throw a big show at a comedy club and they invite their parents and the administrators, the whole faculty to come out. And then they'll have someone like me headline it. Mm -hmm. And it's so incredible to watch young women find their voice in that way i mean i have heard these girls say jokes that were better than anything i could ever write (laughs) like so poignant um a lot of them especially if they come from families that have like immigrant parents a lot of cultural background a lot of cultural history they will read our country for filth in a way that we could never really communicate (laughs) as well Um, so stand up for girls is a great organization if you want to donate They're doing great work. I I have been on the verge of tears at every single comedy show that I have done with them. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Comedy is just a beautiful thing. And if you're not seeing comedy shows in your daily life, do it. You need to go sit with strangers and giggle in the dark. I promise you. You do. (laughs) Yes.
0: I appreciated it. It was a good night. I'm so sad I missed it. Yeah, you missed out. (laughs) Real hard. I got even t t-shirt. I know. Oh, nice. She two t-shirts. Wow. So I'm excited about my shirt. Literally I'm no rocketing. one asked you. I love that shirt. I yeah, love this shirt yeah. so much. Anyway,
2: thank you, thank you so for very me. much. Oh, thank and you. And
0: one last thing. Tell our listeners where they can find you.
2: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chanel underscore underscore Ali. That's two underscores. So it's Chanel two underscores Ali. Uh, there's a girl who has my actual name, Chanel Ali, and... I've been trying to track her down for years.
1: <laughs> <gasps> yeah, <is> the clone.
2: <laughs> oh my! No, gosh. she has pictures up. I know. I actually know a lot about her life because oh, I have really okay. tracked You've down really her friends because she hasn't amazing. been on Instagram in like four years, and oh. I've come so close to getting her like on the phone. But um, <laughs> so yeah, Chanel underscore underscore Ali. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I post on Twitter pretty often. Um, you can also follow me on Snapchat at Chanel Alibaba. That's C H A N E L A L I B A B A. Awesome. Yay! Thank you so much for coming in. No problem. (laughs) Bye! Anything else you want to add to it? Oh, I love you guys so much and just keep moving forward.
0: All right, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. It was such an amazing time. Um, I'm hoping to catch up with her again. I'm bound and determined to be friends with her for for (laughs) really y'all. And she apparently is coming back to Atlanta so when she does, I will be there. You guys should definitely check out her Comedy Central special coming out, her Audible coming out, as well as her album coming out because she is amazing and just a great individual overall
1: yeah and always remember as she said fun to giggle in the dark with someone yes but really support people that you want to see succeed and she was awesome so go do it go do it (laughs) And in the meantime, if you would like to email us, you can. Ooh. Our email is Stuff Media at iHeartMedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Yay. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.